Hi, everyone, and welcome, welcome. Today, we have a very special guest and a very special topic that I believe will speak to every single one of you. Every single one of my listeners will just kind of sink down into their chair, feel this in their gut, feel this in their heart, because we have all experienced it. Well, we're going to dive into a bunch of different subjects today, but I really, really want to talk about the cycle of overeating, binge eating, mindfulness, and how that applies to you. So my guest today is Jared Levinson, and he is a former binge eating wrestler, late ordained Zen monk, I can't wait to hear this story, certified intuitive eating counselor and a CBT journaling advocate. Jared helps hardworking folks write their way to eating enlightenment and food freedom. Find him online anywhere at eatingenlightenment.com. We are going to post the links to everything we talk about from his free guides, his journal um, book that I just ordered, but it hasn't gotten here yet. So I'll let you guys know once I get it and his website. So we'll give you all the links to find his stuff and get in contact with him. So today I welcome Jared. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Amy, so much as well. That was Uh, I'm very grateful for that introduction. I I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back, you're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. So we spoke, of course, a little bit last week, getting to know each other. And just, I mean, I I have to tell you what you speak on to people and how you help people is just so tremendous. So I want you to share your story. And like I told you, I had a very similar story. So that just like pulled me right in. So I want you to start. So tell me your story, kind of what led you down this path, you know, pain to purpose path. I never got into professional competition bodybuilding, like what your experiences were. But in terms of wrestling, there's still that. And gymnasts, ice skating, runners, so many athletes have this tremendous pressure on them to basically be as thin as they can be as light as they can to compete for whatever reason. And in wrestling, it's, it's, uh, it's brutal. You know, you go into saunas, the the wrestling room is 125 degrees in there. So you're sweating out all this body weight and you're trying to get as low as possible. And, you know, at, at that point, I had no idea about the cycle that you mentioned. And so what happens when you restrict and you, go crazy and you work out and you don't eat. And I didn't know this at the time, but you, you automatically overeat automatically the, the throw the boomerang out. 
The boomerang's going to come back and smack you in the face, cause and effect. I did not know that at the time. I don't think many people do. And that's where shame comes in. I'd say shame is what, what, uh, what brings me, what draws me to this uh, field of healing, right? Overeating is about healing, healing this, these inner shame thoughts that I'm, I broken. I am a failure. I like this. I, I am not good enough. You, you name it. Yeah. So that's in a nutshell, how I got into this whole thing. Um, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. There's so much there to go off of. There's so much. There's so much. So first of all, that feeling of shame, I think, drives so many of our behaviors. And it can be a subconscious feeling that's just kind of flowing beneath the surface all the time that we might not even recognize unless we do some really hard work. And we don't mean you have to become a monk. But you know, you have to do some work to get into yourself, whether it be you know meditation. I'll let Jared speak on that, but but some form of mindfulness to recognize where you are self sabotaging yourself. Yeah, I know. For me, I treated my body like a like a tool, like a car that I could just press on the gas pedal and go go go. Like my body was a machine, and so therefore I couldn't really feel my body. Right. And so we have to feel our bodies, right? Because health, you know, we all know eating is a part of health. And underneath eating are our emotions and our thoughts. And unless we're we're incorporating those aspects, we're we're missing out on the body's wisdom. We're missing out on on the body's wisdom. And we're gonna go to an extreme if we're disconnected from the body, if we're treating our body like a tool, we're gonna miss out. We're gonna, yeah, miss out on our body's wisdom, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna get in a wreck. We're gonna binge. We're gonna whatever, you know. Oh yeah, the body will crash. I mean, the body will crash. The body will crash. I mean, if your mind crashes first, you know, that's something that you you recognize. You you know, and you hear people say, "I've just lost it. I've given up. I'm in a I'm in a WTF mode with food. Don't care." Yes, yes, yes. yes. You know, and and so there's the mind crashing, but the body crashing is something that I want to mention right now to just keep the listeners who are sitting there, especially my thyroid listeners, the hormone crushed metabolism, chaos listeners that, you know, you can do that to your body as well. You can crash your body through going through that cycle of starvation, deprivation, overeating, because it completely throws your metabolism off. And then Jared, I'm sure you recognize this too or experience this, when I would deprive for a, a competition, it, whether it was figure or if it was a, a photo shoot for modeling or it was powerlifting to make weight, just like you did for wrestling. Yeah. yeah. When I ate, yeah. I guess I would overeat and like a boomerang, the weight would come back on more than yeah. when I started the whole dieting process. Yeah. Um, that was such a rough thing especially with wrestling, because after the tournament, you know, candy was my go-to. Candy's invisible. It's a tricky one because you can very easily hide it. But the worst thing about making weight is that, at least on wrestling, you weigh after practice, right? So so you have this tournament. I wasn't really that good at wrestling, but I really wanted to fit in. I wanted to fit in on the team. I didn't make the basketball team. I played basketball my whole life and wasn't tall enough or good enough, to be honest. And and so um, really want to fit into wrestling and, and to fit in at wrestling, you got to lose weight. And then the worst part is, is that everyone kind of knows 
when you binge or when you gain all that weight back because we stand on the scale. So it's very, it's public. It's, it's very public. And um, I always remember like really feeling embarrassed. I think other kids went through it too. In hindsight, it was like shrugged off like, oh, you gained weight, like no big deal. That happens to everyone after the tournament. It, it was very brushed aside, you know, not really much was paid attention to it. I don't know what was that like in powerlifting after people gained back the weight, but I know in wrestling, I, I look back and I can't help but think like, damn it, coaches, like, come on, like, come on. Like you were the ones who should have known or something like that. Like, I wish my coaches had, had, uh, had known a bit better. And, you know, I go back and forth, like, is this the culture? Are they to blame? I will say that wrestling standards are changing. Um, maybe it's a conversation for a different time, but they're, they're starting to do away with the weight classes and, they're testing hydration levels. Uh, they're they're doing a lot better job recently, but I mean, this is what, 12, 14 years ago. It just wasn't there. And, um, you know, that boomerang, it comes back no matter what. I think that's the, the most important thing to recognize is it is kind of, it's not your fault type of, type okay. of mentality. Yeah. yeah. And then and there comes the shame. Then you get on the scale. There, yeah. And there's the shame piece. There's the shame. Right. Too, the shame is so deep. It's like eating is such a a primal thing. Like you know, why can't I? We we think of our bodies as machines. Why can't I control my eating? I can turn on. I can turn off on and off the light switch. Why can't I do the same with my eating? And uh, it's a hard mentality to get out of. It is. And I know so many listeners right now are, like I said in the beginning, they're feeling it now. Now now you're speaking. So let's apply this because I don't want anyone to think like, oh, well, it's just athletes. It's just if you deprive and compete and you are that weight for a day. No, this can be applied across the board to everyday life. In fact, I, I have a patient right now that is reaching out to me and she's frustrated. We just started together and she's saying, I, I gained a few pounds, but she will openly admit that she used to eat 500 to 1,000 calories a day. And it's like, yeah, your metabolism is tanked. And now that you're eating a semi-normal amount, your body is rebelling. Here's the boomerang. And now she's feeling shameful. What am I doing wrong? What's oh, going on? What's yeah. going on with my body? And it's like, this is normal. This is yeah. what's going to happen because you did this to yourself a while ago and now we have to go through the healing. So this can apply yeah. across the board to every age, every gender. Yeah. Like in wrestling, I was 135. Just that was what I weighed. I'm close to 170 now and I feel way better, way better. I mean, back then too, I got anemia. So that's like, I was very fatigued. I had some, I had a, and I, you know, when you, when you eat a lot of candy, that's not really great for your blood levels. I remember as like a 20, 19 year old, pretty, pretty young, my doctor saying your blood, your blood sugar is a bit high. Um, Got to watch it. But yeah, like if we're, if we're chronically underweight and, and, and that sometimes happens when, when binge eating, I know, I know oftentimes binge eating is associated with larger bodies and so forth, but um, it's totally possible to be binging and restricting and you're you're, you're all in a brain fog and everything. When that's happening, you're not going to feel good in your body. Everything is going to feel good. It's going to not feel good. You know, so eating, learning to eat more for me, this ties into the monastery experience as well, because I was so miserable. I started binging, just kept, kept on going kind of throughout college. You know, I was always much more socially awkward. 
I was always the loner kid, sort of I'm much more awkward than I am today. But uh, so I'm, I'm into meditation, right? I'm, in, I'm this loner. I'm sort of into meditation and, and I'm secretly dealing with some stuff. I go up to the monastery and they eat regularly <laughs> you, and publicly. You have to eat with other people. You have to mindfully eat with other people and you got to eat like a normal amount of food. <laughs> so that was very, very, I think that was so important to my like recovery journey. And it wasn't something I realized I was doing in the moment. Like I didn't piece together the fact that I was eating more regularly with my binges going down. Um, that was kind of like years later. It's like, oh, it wasn't the meditation. It was the eating regularly that was really good. So got to eat. Yeah, and that's a, that can be a tricky one. And there can be a lot of stuff that comes up around there. So what do you do with clients that come to you that you are working with to get them out of that overeating, binge eating, boomerang, whether they're, you know, staying yeah. the same weight, like you said, or they're continually gaining weight because of the boomerang. What do you do? Where, where do you start? Yeah, I always, I, I start with this one simple guideline. Um, it's based on the science of cognitive behavioral therapy. Please, please, please look this up. It's uh, if you look up binge eating disorder treatment, it's going to be your, your top. It's going to come up. It's going to be a widely mentioned treatment. It's so simple. It's so simple and it works. It's, it's, it's stupid how simple it is, but, and it's crazy how, how effective it is. It's tough, but it's very simple. All right. The guideline is you gotta, you gotta write out your thoughts before you eat uh, in a nutshell. Um, <laughs> in a nutshell, you gotta, you gotta write out your thoughts before you eat. I, I will teach some beginner clients who are struggling with perfectionism or they're kind of hesitant about this to scribble before they eat because mm-hmm. just the act of scribbling, it's gonna, it's going to get you to pause. It's going to get you to just slow down a little bit, right? Like just to shift your gears a little bit. Oh, I gotta, I gotta, you know, when, when a binge is coming on, right. It's like this, this pressure is building and it's, it's almost like you've done it so many times, you know, you're going to do it again. And um, it can be very easy to give up in that, in that moment. You get in this automatic head cycle and, and then this little simple rule, all you have to do is scribble before you eat, right? You don't have to do anything. It's pretty simple. It can kind of help you break that cycle. And if you take that practice up to like the next level where you're writing out your thoughts, like it, as soon as you write out your thoughts, it like 95% of the binge power sort of like goes away. I just had a client. He's been working at this. And in the beginning, he was just writing down his food. And I was like, hey, hey, good job writing down your food. Like he was not, not calories, not amounts of food, just like cereal. He just write down cereal or, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you got to write down your thoughts, man. You're not going to get into the deep, the heart of this, unless you, it can express that shame voice. Those, those thoughts, those negative thoughts that are distorted. If you get them out on paper, you write them out on paper, power gets released. If the power goes away, the binge power sort of goes away. Um, so yeah, he starts writing out like this argument sort of thing. He, he starts writing out this argument. I want to have cookies. No, I shouldn't have cookies. And he's writing this out. Like, you know, he's writing, I want to have cookies, quotation mark. No, I don't want to have cookies or like, no. And so he's writing out this argument and he's seeing like, this is, this is all unnecessary. And he's able to say, Hey, you know what? I want a cookie. Fine. Whatever. But I'm not even hungry right now. And like, whatever. He's just able to like, let it go. Yeah. Uh, but just by writing, just by writing, just by writing. It's so simple. It's 
there's yeah, just by writing. So simple. Yeah. And whether you're writing out an argument with yourself or just writing out your stresses, you know, a lot of people say, well, I, I overeat because I'm stressed, but what are your stresses? Yeah. You just, you know, when we say, oh, I'm so stressed. <laughs> well, well, what it, uh-huh. is it because there's a pandemic going or is it something specific? Like mm-hmm. lost my job. I'm going through a divorce, um, whatever. I'm battling an illness, whatever it is. What are your stresses? Yeah. And like a powerful practice you can do too is asking why, like, okay, I'm stressed and ask why a bunch of times. Why am I stressed? I'm stressed because X, Y, and Z. And then if you go even deeper, like what about my job is stressing me? Well, I'm afraid of having a conversation with my boss. What about that is scary. And soon you're like, I'm scared of, I'm scared of my boss saying no to me or whatever, or, and then, and then it's like, oh, this is why I'm scared. This is sort of why I'm eating right now, or I want to eat. And and you you're, you see, the whole point of this is to see your thoughts, how your thoughts are sort of guiding you to eat. But when you see, when you write down, oh, I'm, you know, avoiding this conversation with my boss. That's why I'm having, that's why I'm partly being drawn to food right now. Like, okay, hold on. I can, I can course correct from there. I think the course correction aspect, the ability to course correct when you write down your thoughts People are able to make their own decisions. People know in their heart basically how to eat. They just get a little bit mixed up in their head. And so getting all those thoughts out on paper gets the mixing and the, the swirling and the conflict. It gets it out on paper and you're able to kind of sort through it and process it instead of it just kind of floating and, and in the back of your head, it, it, you get it out on paper and that the way forward just becomes so much more clear. Well, yeah, because yeah, I think sometimes we don't even know our own. Yeah, thoughts. yeah, we don't even know. No, yeah, until you write it down. Uh-huh. So exactly, and you're the second person that I have heard within weeks or a month mm. talk about that breakdown of the thought of mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm stressed. Why am I stressed? Because of my job. Why am I stressed about my job? Because of my boss talking to my boss and just literally chipping away until you get to the core that you can look at and go, but I can deal with that. Yeah, that's not so bad. And then yeah. also in, in uh-huh. going through that process before a binge, I would think that that would totally shift your focus. Yeah, what happens is it's very, very exciting. Is people, if we write down thoughts and feelings, oftentimes it, it takes a couple of repetitions, right? But very quickly, people will see this sense of hopelessness, this heartfelt sense of hopelessness, and it's this, it's this, this hopelessness. That is why they binge, like. I'm hopeless right now, deep down. Why not binge just to feel better for a moment? Like I'm in this conflict, this battle. I'm feeling hopeless because I've been here a thousand times before. Why not binge? When you write out, I'm feeling hopeless. Why are you feeling hopeless? Like you write it out. You realize, Amy, you just said something beautiful. What did you just say? You said like, it's not that big of a deal. I can handle this hopeless feeling. This hopeless feeling is going to go away in a few more minutes. I can just hang on. Is there a way, you know, what I teach clients is, hey, can you right now? So big thing with clients is they, this hopeless feeling. How do I feel better with this hopeless feeling food? Can you get through that hopeless feeling to the other side where you feel safe? Can you get an experience of safety without using food? Can you tolerate the hopelessness in your heart and hold that there with awareness in your body, maybe you go on a walk, maybe you got to do something, but can you get to the other side of that hopelessness and, and, and experience some safety, whether 
some relaxation, some calmness. Um, Because right now, a lot of times people, they have to eat because that's the only way the hopelessness goes away. And I'm using hopelessness as a synonym for despair. Uh, A lot of, sometimes it's very distressful. Sometimes there's just this hot shame that comes up. So whatever that intense emotion is, um, if you write it out, it's going to really help you to uh, get through it and to, to really shift your perspective around around food. That's so good. So that's that's really kind of like the the. So that would be more. I, I put it in this category, kind of in my mind, of like the stress eating, hopelessness, um, you know, despair, just like you said. And then we have this group over here that you can speak on. I'm sure you you deal with them too of the the self sabotagers. Yeah. So they're the ones uh, that go, I've done so well. What uh, the hell? Uh, or you spoke on this um, on one of yeah. your podcast episodes, uh, Eating Enlightenment podcast. That, thank you so much, Amy. You freaking rock. I, I, love it. I got your back. I, I, listen. I love you it. Spoke, oh because God. this spoke to me oh too. When the day starts, you uh, just keep going. Yeah. You just keep going and you, and you keep eating and you keep eating and you keep eating and people yeah. can relate to this because they do that. You start eating and the binge just, why not go all day? Why yeah. not? Yeah. Certainly that's like, I mean, you look back at, I look back at wrestling and it's sort of like, well, I mean, I, I think like it was a little bit different, but it was there. It was there. This does come up. What the hell effect, right? It's actually a well-known effect, right? There's an effect that's uh, it's called the what the hell effect. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty well known scientifically, this idea that if you make a mistake, the whole day is ruined, right? The whole day is bad. And that right there is a thought. The whole day is ruined, right? Isn't that the thought? If you if you screw up, isn't that the thought, right? I've already, the whole day is a minus, right? Like, so I might as well, it's already a minus. I might as well, I might as well eat. But if you write out your thought, you know, it all, for me, it always comes back to like, what, what are you thinking? If you can write out like, why, why do I want to eat right now? Well, I, I already had an extra cookie at lunch and I'm feeling really bad. I knew I shouldn't have had that. And so I feel like this failure, like that's why I, that's why I might as well have another cookie. If, if you write it out, you're going to get that thought out of your head In, instead of that thought, just sitting there and like, percolating and just being a hot ember where you have to eat write out that thought i feel like a failure write it out please yeah please write it out there's a lot of impulsivity too in in binge eating like i'm a a failure so i might as like you aren't even thinking you aren't even thinking right i've already failed so it's just you're already reaching for everything and like that's the beauty of this little guideline that i'm telling you right before you eat right before you eat because that little guideline is simple enough to where even when you're reaching for stuff, you know, if, if you're ta- it's really good to work with like someone um, to talk this through. But if you are writing, if you're supposed to write out what you eat and then you go ahead and eat a lot and then you tell someone you confess in this open setting, Hey, I didn't write for I ate. I just ate like crazy. That person, if they can give you some compassion and accountability, okay, no worries. Next time I want you to scribble before you bench. I just want you to scribble. Just scribble. Just break that automatic eating cycle. No worries. Just next time, and you kind of you kind of build on that little success. And I mean, it's a real simple experiment. Just scribble before you eat, and scribble before you binge. Right? See if you can catch yourself before a binge. Just scribble because that's a tough. That's a really challenging moment. Side tangent. Just talking about intuitive eating. I'm certified intuitive eating. 
I've tried to help people learn intuitive eating and it's, I love intuitive eating. I find that if people cannot catch their binges, if they cannot catch their binges before they happen, they got no chance of being an intuitive eater. This the recovery from binge eating, in my opinion, hinges, absolutely hinges around being able to catch yourself and to, and that's like the starting point of everything. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you talk about writing things down, you're not necessarily because you work with a lot of eating disorders. So, and, and true eating disorders as well as just the average person that struggles with binge yeah. eating or overeating. So yeah. I, I have found, and you can speak on this, that when people have to write down their food, that can be good and bad, especially yeah. if that's a yeah. trigger for an eating disorder, something old coming up. So do you always make people write down their food, like your one client you were speaking about, or is that kind of an individual basis? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely is individual. Um, I mean, so here's what I, here's the kind of the conversation usually goes. Usually people who end up journaling, they, they kind of want to, they know that I'm about journaling. You know what I mean? So that, that helps. I'm pretty upfront. Like this is my process. With that being said, perfectionism can sneak in there and, and certainly worries about journaling. I usually, I usually um, will handle it saying something like this. Hey, you don't have to write down your food if you don't want, I do want to see your thoughts. I absolutely want to see your thoughts. That's kind of, that's sort of how it goes. But the, the overall encouragement is eventually to write down your food. The science of cognitive behavioral therapy as people writing down their food, why we want to write down food is so that we can see patterns. If you are honest about what you eat and you write down when and what you eat, you'll see like, okay, I had breakfast and then I binged at night and I didn't write and I didn't write in between there. So like yeah. I didn't eat. It, it forces you to face the truth. Um, I do think it's important not to write down calories, not to write down right. amounts of food per se, just like we want, we want this journaling to be as chill as possible. This journaling is tough, right? Writing down your thoughts, that's tough. So we want to make it as easy as possible. No calories, just like very basic food information, really just to, for you to be able to reflect and learn. If I have my patients send me their homework of their food journal. So like, let's say somebody's like, what's going on? I'm not losing or something's happening that they're not getting the results. We have to write it down. Yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I am not. Let's not get into calories. Let's not do the mm. macro thing. Just, just let's see what you are eating, and, and even just looking at your food, mm. you can tell if you're not eating enough, if you're starving yourself, if you're going too long without eating, and then that forces you into a binge cycle. If you're trying to, I'm very big into intuitive intermittent fasting. Do mm. not intermittent fast because you think it's a challenge that you have to to get done that day. Like today I'm going to make it till 5 PM. And then you eat everything inside at 5 PM because you overrode your body's own hunger signals. So just like you said, if there's a huge gap and then you binge, maybe that's a sign that you shouldn't be <sighs> having that gap in the day. Uh-huh. I love that phrase intuitive or intermittent intuitive fasting. Is that the one? Intuitive that's intermittent cool. fasting. Yeah. I like that. Cause sometimes Do it naturally. It, yeah, mm-hmm. the intermittent yeah. fasting can sound arbitrary. Like, why six? Why eight? Why eighteen? Or or whatever. Like, it's those rules that 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 really screw people up. These mm-hmm. rules through various programs, they they get in our head, right? I shouldn't have carbs, or or um, you know, I shouldn't have 
meat or I don't know, things like that. They, they get in yeah, our head. For a certain time. Yeah. I need to yeah, wait. Sometimes or times. Yeah. Yeah. I need to wait eight hours. And yeah. And if you're a perfectionist, that's yeah. going to bite you. That, <laughs> yeah, that can actually affect. And again, I'll, I'll tie back to the biology in the body mm-hmm. that can slow down your thyroid function that can mm-hmm. slow down your metabolism. Now it's working against you. So mm-hmm. you're trying to do something that's healthy and you're so hyper-focused and you're a perfectionist, you're like, I have to do it this way, 100% this way, and then it's not working or you're backtracking, that could be it. It's because you're not even, you're, you're sticking to those rules so tightly that you're not even listening to your own body. Yeah, and coming back to, you said sticking to the rules so tightly, that kind of reminds me, so many people when they start their healing journey to binge eating, they are, they have this grip on the rules so tight. And I do want to speak to when people start to journal, this tight rule clinching does come up a lot. Um, It's very common when people start to journal out their thoughts. First of all, normally people have never journaled out their thoughts with food. They've journaled food and they've gotten obsessed with food, all the calories, and then they're checking their weight and they're, they're freaking out in their head. I mean, I usually, I think this is dependent. I usually don't want clients to weigh i think it's i think that can be whatever but um exactly there's this clenching and so this comes up in the beginning of awareness journaling and so i do speak to clients and say hey it's okay if you feel a bit a bit um self-conscious or a little bit inadequate when you first start to journal I, i i always say hey this is the first time you're bringing psychological awareness to food right? Food is mind and body, right? You've done the body part. You've done the nutritionists and the meal plans and the diets and all that stuff. You've got the body part. This is your first time weaving the mind into your food decision. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit uh, new and it's okay if you feel a little bit overwhelmed in the beginning and, and it's totally fine to skip the food part or to start with the food part and not do the thought part, you know, to kind of gently get your, again, it's all about the pause before you eat. That's why I say you got to write before you eat. I don't necessarily say you got to write everything before you eat. You got to write a little bit before you eat. That writing where you get the pen onto the paper, there's something tangible about that. There's something real about it. When you pause, it's like, okay, let me pause. Okay, I'm done pausing. I'm going to go eat now, right? <laughs> it's like you didn't really pause, right? But that that writing, you it, it kind of it forces you to pause. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. So what about mindfulness during eating? I think sometimes yeah. people just, you start throwing down the food and before you know it, your plate's empty or you've had two servings and you don't even remember tasting it. So how do you get people to slow down and yeah. actually get into what they are eating and taste their food? It's such an interesting question. As I, as I get more into this whole thing, I, I do feel like the moments before are more important than the moments during. If you can sit down before and calm down before, mm-hmm. then the rest is going to be a lot easier. Like really making sure you start off on a calm foot beforehand. With that being said, I, I do think there's one aspect of mindful eating that's very, very important. I usually teach people this. <laughs> um, just giving away all my secrets for free, but no, it's all good. <laughs> uh, it's where you are. <laughs> where you eat food right and is let's say you're really hungry i mean you just worked out and you're starving and you 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 get a nice good meal in front of you right and you start eating and and um even at a normal pace or whatever at some point let's say 
at some point, the flavor, right? What's going to happen to uh, 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 the flavor in the beginning is going to be really, really good, right? The flavor, mm, the yummy, 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 yummy. At some point, it's just not going to taste as good, right? Mm-hmm. I think mindful eating kind of comes down to that, like noticing, okay, the, the flavor just doesn't taste as good. And that can be a, a real good cue sort of listen for like, oh, this flavor isn't good. This is a sign that my body's starting to get full. Mm-hmm. It's like yellow light, right? Yellow light on the traffic signal. Okay, food is starting to get, um, not taste as good. Can I slow down? Have I checked in with my body? How's my stomach? Just slowing down a little bit. So I think that's an important part of mindful eating. I mean, mindfulness in general is just so important. The more you can practice mindfulness, the better this whole thing is going to go. Yeah, I, 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 again, I do think this whole mindfulness, it's done in service Like sometimes people say, why should I mindfully eat? Because deep down, I think people know that mindful eating by itself is not enough to transform their eating habits. I think oftentimes mindful eating is a great tool, but it's taught without context of the binge diet cycle. It's Mm -hmm. taught without context of dealing with specific thoughts that come up, like the shame thoughts and so forth. So so mindful eating, it's good, but I I really, I don't know, it needs to be in context. Well, and it's thrown around too much. We throw around the term mindfulness like we do meditation. And then people are like, um, how do I meditate? Um, yeah. <laughs> how do I mindfully? What does mindful mean? Do I just like yeah, yeah. tune into my uh-huh. food? Yeah, it's just thrown around too much. So I think uh-huh. what you do with your clients, yeah, you can give all the, the tips here that you yeah. want to, but Definitely. it comes down to people are going to want personalization. They're going to want to come to you and say, here's what I'm doing. What is wrong with me? Why can't I get a hold of this? And then you actually walk them through and teach them, this is what we mean by mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of this process is is my why I love this whole journaling thing is I get to very gently hold clients accountable in a very friendly, easy way. Hey, you didn't write out your thoughts right here. I want to know what you're thinking. You said you binged. What were you thinking beforehand? I need to see those thoughts on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, like this isn't going to work unless we get those thoughts out on paper before you binge. The personalization is sort of working with someone's progress as they journal, as they go through this writing journey. It's kind of helping them start, helping them get the hang of it, helping people to to understand their, you know, this this whole journal thing is, I like the idea of a, of a burning light, right? A burning light that just vaporizes all the fog. If you are able to get all this data, sort of this awareness around your eating habits, your thoughts, when you're eating, that type of awareness is like a burning flame and it will vaporize the fog as you learn to, as, as you learn to like kind of lean into that flame of awareness, right? Oh, this is what I was thinking. This is the truth. And so, um, you know, and, and that that's how I, I firmly believe like writing is not just for food, but it's like a way of life. I mean, I got journals behind me. I will write out, I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling broken. I feel stupid. I will write that stuff out to this day. I'll write down my to-do list. I'll write down gratitude stuff. Not necessarily every day, but like writing is a, it's like, you know, I feel like it's an important part of like 
today's society. It goes beyond food. It goes beyond food. It's way beyond food. This is about, you know, reaching your potential and all that stuff. <laughs> totally. I mean, this can be applied in the real world, in your career, in your one-on-one relationships. I mean, yeah. it, it, you're right. It can just go beyond this because if you uh-huh. get in touch with, I mean, even just your emotions when you're talking yeah. to somebody, if, uh-huh. if you are projecting your subconscious beliefs and emotions on that person. And they have no idea that you have this, you know, whatever insecurity that's driving your words. And then they get defensive. They're like, Whoa, you know, all of this is getting in tune with your emotions and putting it down on paper so that you can look at it and go, Ooh, this is me. So whether you need to work on it or just acknowledge it, Put, write it down. And like I said, write, how about write it instead of type it? Like, what yeah. are your thoughts on the pen versus the phone? Okay, I love the pen. Uh, the pen, I think it's better. Yeah, yeah there's like this an eating enlightenment journal that I just put up on uh, Amazon. That's paperback. It's just like a simple journal because pen is better. I, I am making an app. It's not out yet, <laughs> but there's, an, there's, there's hopefully value to an app as well. Like I, for a long time, I was, um, I was of the mindset that no app, just, just write. Even if you're at a friend's house, just like take out a sheet of paper, go to the bathroom and write it. I don't know when my philosophy changed around that, but anyways, I'm making an app. So I, I guess like my philosophy has changed on that a little bit, well, but still my it. preference is the app is to write it down. Well, the app is good. I mean, some people are just more techie. Some people find that yeah. some people will say, listen, if you make me write it, I'm not even going to do it. So that's exactly. fine. You know, if, if, if it makes you do it, yes. then use the phone, use the app. Absolutely. Hands down. Yeah. 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 And see your, this whole topic, what you do for people, I think is just, it's so complementary to what practitioners like myself do, because I work on the biology and, and the nutrition piece, but I am more, you know, blunt. That's why, you know, on thyroid fix podcast, if if you're making excuses, we're calling out your excuses, but you bring in, like you said, the cognitive behavioral piece that the, the science based blunt practitioners like myself don't always take the time to look at. And we go, you know what? Our people need that too. And that's really important. And I can't give it. You can. So oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I I feel like I know you could. This stuff is so simple. I know you could. I know you could. You really could. I mean, I'm sure you know you can too, or I don't know. I feel like you could you could get it. <laughs> it's I just, really it's yeah, the it's, blending of practices come mm, in where you can mm-hmm. say, listen, that's not my specialty. Mm. This is something you need. You need to talk to somebody who this is their thing. Yeah. This is what they do. This is my thing. So, yeah. I know. It was, it's a journey, this whole, this whole health journey. I think, yep. it, you know, when you, when you kind of figure out your way, you, you discover who you are. I'm a writer. I'm a blogger. I journal like this. This is an extension of my being the way you're talking. I'm betting nutrition is part of your being and, 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 uh, and, you know, your essence and, um, and the body, you said, you said the body was, you just, know, yeah, like, biology, how biology. it functions, yeah. thyroid hormones, all that. Yeah. Uh-huh. I just love it. Love I know. It. Yeah. We all have our different gifts or callings. Yep. And yeah. Like. Well, that's what allows us to know? help people. You know, uh-huh. you, you can't find one person to do it all. You know, I'm not, I'm not a psychologist. So a lot of my patients mm-hmm. will have deep psychological 
things that go back to their childhood or they're dealing with traumas right now. And I'm sure you see it working with eating disorders. There's a lot of trauma there. In addition to the shame that you're talking about, that is not what I do. So you have, you might need, you might be a person that needs multiple practitioners that specialize in multiple things in order to get you your life back and make you that whole person. Yeah. I've, I still see a therapist just to be fully honest. I, it's an attachment therapist. Um, Attachment means like your childhood patterns, basically. Um, Although I don't, I I mean, the emphasis of cognitive behavioral therapy is not childhood. Um, I definitely find that if people, so people start, they start, they get into, they get into this whole writing thing. They eventually at some point they start writing down their thoughts. Eventually at some point, those thoughts have a, have a voice to them. And and that's where I feel there's so much depth here, especially for me, like coming for what, six or seven years of, of attachment therapy, learning about these shame patterns, learning about these thoughts. If you, if I, when I learned about sort of the tone, how these thoughts were, were sort of my parents' tone or, or um, caregivers' tones, you can work with your thoughts a lot more differently. I think like that's where some real, I mean, for me, we all have, all these different modalities have real healing. For me, that's one of the deeper aspects of this healing is when you're, when you're writing out those thoughts that have been, floating around since childhood and you're able to tap into those old relationship structures and um <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's something that you're not to over and over again and then you yeah, put it on paper yeah. for the first time as you journal uh, before you eat uh-huh. and you go oh my god my mom right? said that to me over and over again no wonder it's going through my head but yeah. unless you wrote it down you would never make that connection you would never make that connection and it sounds so silly. Like I remember hearing about insight meditation. That's like one of the first things, one of the first styles of meditation I learned insight meditation. Like that's not floating in the air meditation, right? Like that's not insight. Who cares about insight? Like how is, how is seeing differently really the solution? One of the major solutions, how is seeing differently the key to this whole thing? It sounds like underrated, right? Like insight, um, seeing your patterns, seeing these thoughts, making the connection, it sounds so simple, right? Like, oh, just see the connection and then I'll stop overreading. Mm-hmm. In some ways it is that simple. In some ways it's not. But yeah, seeing things differently, it really is like the key. It really is. It really is the key. Shifting your vision or your perception of reality. Well, yeah, because I mean, technically stress, when we talk about stress, it all is about perspective and our perception yeah. of it. So uh-huh. what stresses you out might be nothing to me. So it's all in how we are seeing and and literally visually and emotionally intaking our world. Yeah. And like with clients, oftentimes, as I ask them questions about how they see food, right, they write down their food, they write, might write down a thought. But oftentimes, I just know from experience that a lot of times people are subconsciously afraid that there's not enough food, that they won't be able to get it later, that, you know, and so yeah. oftentimes I'll be like, hey. Was there a little bit of of that thought in there too, that you were afraid you weren't going to get that later? And they'll be like, oh yeah, that thought, yeah, that thought was there. Okay, so let's write that out. Let's get in the habit of writing out that thought, right? So you you can kind of get called out on these thoughts you're having, but you aren't really aware that you're having. And then it's like, okay, I see that obviously I'm going to have enough food. I can now release sort of this fear. Now, don't get me wrong. There there can be a, you can release the fear in your head you still have to go through that fear in your body 
Um, one of the most important concepts is like this idea of impermanence. That was that's huge in Buddhism. It's huge, but you know everything changes, right? So it's really important that you can let the energy flow through you. Um, that you can put your hand on your heart. You can do some deep breathing. You can just, again, as I said earlier, you can release that energy through you, and on the other side, find some safety. The sense of relaxation, the sense of security. These are little experiments that that we do, right? Like, okay, you wrote out that you, you wrote out this. Now the energy is in your body. How can you get through this? Can you listen to music? What do you want to do? How can you get through to the other side? And a person will say, you know what? I'll, I'll try going on a walk. Oftentimes, a person just says, like, you know what? I just gotta, I just gotta deal with it. Just gotta sit with it. I know that this energy is gonna go away in ten minutes. Let me just sit down and like try to sit with it it shifts over time it, it shifts over time it's not that the energy for a craving or a binge just totally evaporates in the beginning but um but sometimes it does sometimes it does um yeah and either way you're able to like sort of let it go yeah, yeah. it's something that you said so i i full confession I'm now past that whole, so the, the competing, the modeling, the up and down dieting, yo-yo dieting, all of that definitely sent me in a spiral for a few years of, mm. of yo-yo. So it's outside of just when you are competing. It manifests itself and roller coasters into a couple of years pass or longer if you don't get a hold of it. So that's yeah. in my past now. I can look back at it and, and chuckle at some things mm. such as, Christmas and Christmas cookies, I mm. would devour because I would have that thought of mm. this, they're only here once a year. Ah. I'm not going to get that pit sale again until next December. So I might as well have 10 in addition to, you know, the no bakes and the chocolate chips and the little thumbprints and the Buckeyes. And the, I mean, that was, I, you, you nailed it when you said it, it's that, that thought of lack. So it's not, yeah. Uh, I, I went through the depression lack. It's not that, you know, my grandparents, you know, hoarded everything because they went through the depression lack. It was literally self-induced that I literally yeah. thought I better eat everything I can right now because I might not see it again. Yeah. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. A lot and more than what they want to admit or that they're even tuning into until you talk about it like we are yeah, and yeah. then it hits them and they go, oh yeah. my gosh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. These thoughts are... um I think those are the two most common. I think the scarcity and the, um, the punishment, like I screwed up already. And I, I think like when people write out, if people are learn to honestly write out their thoughts and they can hear their thoughts, I screwed up. Like the, the voice that they will write is shockingly. It's horrible. It's, 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 it's horrible that there's this person inside of you that thinks in your voice and says these things to you. Uh, I mean, people write, I am, you know, I, I, I am worthless, right? Like people write that down. I, I, the voice says I'm worthless right now. I'm going to write down. I'm worthless. It's so, I mean, this is you, you want to see these thoughts. You want to see these thoughts. You want to see how horrible your subconscious brain treats you. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when you're going through a, a, what the hell thing, like, Oh, I screwed up. Right. That, that critical voice is so harsh. There's so much shame in that voice and getting it onto paper is a first step and then sort of hearing the tone oftentimes the tone will have a um a, a ring that will sound familiar to like your parents or or maybe a coach or, or something like that but yeah that but once you hear that thought pattern that that's when you have separated right it's out of your subconscious mind now you can see it in front of you now you can respond more appropriately 
Yeah, and you say things to yourself and you would never say it to anybody else. I know. I know. Yeah. Like, I you're going to say it to somebody you're mad at. Like, come on. At the front of my journal, I, I wanted to include that. So I think I said, I forget the questions. I said there are three th- questions to consider. Like, this is the front page of the journal. The first one, I forget the other two, but the first one was, you know, what, what would you say to your best friend, right? Like, what would you say to a loved one? How would you speak to a loved one? Something like that. Just to remind people when they're going through this journaling thing, like, you know, if you were, how would you tell your friend to journal? You wouldn't, you'd be chill about it. You'd be like, you know, journal a little bit, do the best you can, you know, let's, we'll talk about it later, (laughs) but don't beat the shit out of yourself. Right. Like, um, yeah. So that's an important thing too. So I want to let people know, well, you tell them where they can find you and we will put a link for the journal for your podcast and for your website. So go ahead and tell people how they can contact you. Yeah, um, eatingenlightenment.com, eatingenlightenment.com. That's probably the place. There's Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at eatingenlightenment.com. And they can book a call with you. They they got, there's a guide on there with templates, like to a blank journal template um, and like training videos on how to use it. A lot of times people will take a quiz on my website and then like once they take the quiz, I, I challenge them to write down what they to scribble before they eat. Like in the you'll get some emails that you scribble before you eat and then retake the quiz. I want to see like how, how well that goes. You get some positive feedback from that. It's a good little challenge. So uh, that's all on the website. Yeah, yeah we'll put a link on the, the, the podcast is Eating Enlightenment. And I guess you'll be on there uh, in two weeks or so, or, or whenever I post that, but we're going to, yeah. you're going to come on my podcast. I get to switch the tables around and hear about your, uh, your calling for biology. I love it. Can't yeah. wait. Can't <laughs> wait. I mean, obviously we could continue talking. We are, we are. I love, how much you're, I love how much you're like into writing. I mean, the, the curiosity, I, lo- I really appreciate the, the questions today about like diving into this writing thing. There's so much here that I love talking about. And like, I, I'm so grateful that your, your genuine curiosity about this and, and kind of letting me ramble. I ramble a lot. So anyways, uh, letting me ramble. Yeah. (laughs) No, I can see the benefit. Like I said, I can see the benefit for my patients, for my listeners. There's just such, there's deep benefit here. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's not like another crazy, you know, I don't know. It's not very complex. So, yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing everything that you did today. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will definitely bring you back on because we could probably talk for another hour. Thank you so much. Yeah. Break that up. All right, Jared, you have a wonderful time, wonderful day, and I will be talking to you soon. Okay, Amy. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.